Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records around the nation. And then, as we always do, we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And here we are, Tony, in a stay-at-home order in our corner of Canada in beautiful Ontario. And funny story, you might have just got this, too. The emergency emergency alert. alert. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> nice to see Big Brother getting right into our phones, telling us that it's important for us to only leave home for essential purposes. But I might add, we get to decide what those essential purposes we are. Do. We are we are the great deciders of our own fate still, Jim. <laughs> Actually, what does it say? Only leave home for essential purposes such as food, healthcare, exercise, or work. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, well, what, what else is there really? <laughs> <laughs> well, lately there's been nothing else, so that's yeah. about it. So anyway, so that's uh, that's the excitement we got going on in our lives. Stay home if you can, but if you can't, uh, do what you can. I don't know. And be safe about it. And be safe about it. So, all right, let's get right to our guest. Uh, actually, sorry, no. got to give a shout out to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions. Yes. Of course. Uh, is he still over in Poland? Hold on, hold on. There, I've got the polka music happening. Polka music, okay. Yes, John Mutton is still trapped in the Marriott Hotel in Warsaw, and so we wish him well. Hopefully, he'll come home soon. Hold on. So I don't know why. He, to be honest, I don't know why he would want to right now. I mean, unless Poland's like really brutal, I don't know. No, no, he's. I see him. He posts photos in shopping malls, and I don't know. Uh, he's he's bummed out that the gym is closed at the uh, hotel. But uh, they're into some sort of lockdown, but not as severe as ours, I do not think. But nonetheless, we want to thank John Mutton, the Muttonator, and Municipal Solutions, municipalsolutions.ca, for being our lead sponsor. They, of course, are known for their business development, their market analysis, their energy and infrastructure advancement, their strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, and public policy development Check it out, municipalsolutions.ca. John Mutton and the gang will help you out. Yes, so we appreciate them. And before we get to our guest, one more sponsor to name, Lord and Lady Coffee. If you can find them at uh, lordandlady.ca, great small batch local roastery that does amazing coffee, including their medium roast called The One. They have a wonderful dark roast called Midnight Voyage. And Tony, Mm, I know you're not a huge coffee guy at all, but... We are just set to launch our espresso called, called Bolster. So Bolster. we're excited. Yeah, Bolster. So we are we are excited about that. Lordandlady.ca. Spend over 40 bucks. Shipping is free anywhere in Canada. All right. So let's get to our guest. I'm excited about this one. And again, we're doing some world traveling. Yeah. International. This show has such an international appeal. And I'm gonna let I'm gonna hand it over to you, Tony. Yes. Well, you're absolutely right, Jody. It's another Great and another thing podcast guest uh, straight from Tel Aviv. Uh, my uh, friend, I think I've known uh, this person for over 30 years, but you perhaps may have known her as the Canadian ambassador to the state of Israel back in the Harper years. She has uh, relatively stayed put in Israel, so she is our person on the ground as we talk about COVID and Israeli politics. Let's give a warm welcome to Vivian Berkovich. Welcome, Vivian. Welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. Lovely to be here with you. And yeah, Tony, it is over 30 years. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. 
Yeah. It really is. Yeah. 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 No yeah. gray hairs in those days. Well, you're living the dream. I guess there's a, you said there's a storm going on in Tel Aviv right now? Well, I mean, you know, storms, everything's sort of smaller here. Right? We have less land, the clouds are smaller. And so, like, you get really excited when there's a storm because we don't have a lot of storms, but it's like a nothing storm for Canada. Okay, yeah. so it's not yeah. like a blizzard or anything like that. No, no such thing. It kind of got, you know, really cloudy and the wind was kind of blowing and rain was falling. Oh, my but, goodness. That sounds I terrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. And I love walking to the beach when that happens. You watch the waves and, you know, it's just beautiful. It's wild. But, yeah. Are you guys, in a, Sorry? Are you guys in a stay-at-home order at all? Or what, what's going on? Tell us what's going on. We're going to talk about the vaccine, of course. But what's, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the state of it for individual citizens right now? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're telling us we're in a kind of serious lockdown. But it's Israel, so like everybody's always looking for an angle, right? Um, <laughs> and we find them. Um, so no, but it, look, a lot of uh, a lot more is shut down now and restricted than was about a week ago. So you know, I mean, small businesses are closed. It's all the kind of stuff that you guys were talking about earlier. Right. Except okay. the big difference is, I live in Tel Aviv. It's a beach beach town, right? It's also like a huge culture town and food town. It's a fantastic place. And so, you know, I know I just, it's, and to live here, you have no idea, especially, you know, like I'll never, it will never get old that I look out the window in January and it's like sunny and gorgeous. It just, you know, and I walk around in like t-shirts, but, um, you know, so, so being outdoors here, which we can do is great. And I think that the sunshine and just being able to move around and do stuff keeps people sort of happy. Like in the first super, and the first lockdown we had here was in March, way before you guys, I think even realized that Corona was happening. Right. Um, and uh, it was pretty intense. You know, there were a lot more police around and we weren't allowed to like breathe. We were restricted to 500 meters, like a half a kilometer from our home um, and all the kind of, you know, food, uh, you know, essentials, food, drugs, drugstore, um, medical care. But at that time, also, there was so much, my daughter and I were just talking about this the other day, there was so much fear and uncertainty. Remember how it was like, oh, right. my God, how did it spread? And what size of the droplets? It was crazy. And at that time, there was concern that it might just be in the air we breathe, right? Right. So right. They, they shut us in our homes a lot. Um, and now we have a lot more knowledge. So one of the great things is you just see people outside riding their bikes and running and playing and the playgrounds aren't roped off like they were, which was just horrific. So I, I think, well, first of all, I think Israelis are tough anyway, because they have to be, because you live in a, in a country that always has existential threats. So right. you're used to some of the mental wellness coping strategies that are necessary to survive in such an environment. Do you, is, is that a fair analysis? Well, yes and no. I mean, everybody's half mad here, so in the best way. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the security, I mean, Israelis are tough, yeah, but you know what? Put them in like a half-inch snowfall or like wait till the temperature dips below like 18 degrees in Tel Aviv and they're wearing downfill jackets, I swear. Um, so there's tough and there's tough. I think that um, probably the better word is resourceful, hmm. you know? Very resourceful, very clever. Um, and yes, you know, because of the history of the state and the ongoing security situation here, 
there is a a resilience, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I know from experience, I was here, I was uh, serving as ambassador during the 2014 Gaza war. And I remember after a week or two, because everyone expected it to pass really quickly because they're often pretty quick, those sorts of conflicts. And this one dragged on and on and on for five or six weeks. And there was like this emergency, uh, there was a depletion of tranquilizers and antidepressants. You couldn't get them. So tough, yeah, I guess. But, right. you know, maybe uh, a little more adept at uh, withstanding, resilient, and um, coping mechanisms. The other I mean, thing here, too, is like they, they, like, you know, they're tough and they understand, um, they understand when something bigger than them is happening. And that's what's so remarkable about living here and watching that happen. Mm-hmm. But man, oh man, do they challenge the authorities. It's, which is good, which is good. That's what democracies should be. They so has to. there been, has there been anti-masker protests and things like that? No, not anti-mask so much. Um, there have been protests because of sometimes colossally stupid um, enforcement measures, you know, or targets. For example, you know, the open-air markets, which as you, you've been here, you know, the open-air markets here for all manner, like for fruit, vegetables, food, all kinds, clothing, they're huge. Um, and they've been shut down. Wow. As have yeah, as have a lot of small mom and pop shops. And you know, these people are dying economically. It's killing them. But then you'll have, you know, because food in quotation marks um is allowed to be food stores, you'll have, you know, a luxury coffee and pastry places open. Right? Like there's just dumb stuff everywhere. So um there have been a lot of protests over um the economics. Um, and some of the unfortunate measures that have been uh, put in place. I don't think there have been any serious uh, anti-mask protests at all. None. People here are pretty practical. They're used to gas masks. This is nothing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they could always get out their gas mask. That's true. Yeah. Um, Could we talk about the vaccine deployment? Because this is the thing that gets the most play uh, in Canada and around the world. Tell us your experience with the the organization and the deployment of the vaccine. So first of all, I want to actually just tie this, as I start the vax thing, I also want to tie it into the mask thing, which is um, overall, the communications here have been really good, I have to say. Uh, you can't get away with vague BS with the public here. You just can't. No. In the media. And it's so interesting. Israelis, uh, people should know, Israelis are very head-on. They, yeah. don't, take, they don't take BS, and yeah. uh, they tell you what they think. And, um, you know, I, I'm active online both, you know, with people here and in Canada, and the, the contrast is like as soon as you start to even like question politely what any government or authority is doing in Canada, you're not a team player. No, I'm actually like a hardcore classical liberal, right? right. I think my government should be accountable to me. So the vaccine rollout, um, it was, I mean, we had a great start. First lockdown was very effective, killed it. And then every mistake that could be made in the book was made over the following four or five months. Uh, including second lockdown, which I missed because I was in Canada. Um, and then, but Bibi was all over, Bibi, the prime minister, of course, uh, that's the name everybody calls him by here. Um, Bibi was all over it. 
um, and, and the whole vaccine uh, thing and was working the, as soon as it emerged that Moderna and Pfizer were the top candidates to come out first, um, he was all over it. Um, someone I know told me that uh, he, between like October and whatever, last week, he was on the phone 15 times with uh, Albert Borla, who's the CEO of Pfizer, about 15 times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the leader of a country where there's a lot going on. And I mean, he's relentless and he's a classic Israeli, right? Relentless. He was, and he, they don't take no for an answer, right? I agree. Yeah. Wasn't going to take no. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's lots of talk about um, Israel overpaid, you know, to get advanced vaccine supply, blah, blah. No one knows that. Here's what we do know we do know that we're getting like four to 700,000 a week right now of Pfizer. And that's going to continue until the whole country's vaccinated by mid March whole country over age 16. We're also getting a few Everybody million. who wants one is going yeah. to be vaccinated by mid-March. Yep. Wow. And yeah. it's like at 20% now or 25 or something ridiculous like that. I think it's about 25 or 30 now. I've, I've, I'm up wow. for my second dose this week. Well, no, a next a week Friday, week tomorrow. I go for my right. second dose. I mean, everyone's, you know, already had their first dose. They're not playing games like they are talking about doing in Canada with the spacing of the doses, which... We can get to that after Pfizer has cautioned against, not cautioned, warned against. Right. Um, so the whole, look, it, it was clearly a national priority, right? All hands on deck. And that's one thing this country's great at. Like, you know, when stuff needs to get done, when it's a matter of national security or in this case, public health, um, they just take no prisoners and they just get it done. Um, so in addition to, so whether or not, again, back to the price thing, first of all, I say even if you paid 10 times the market price, whatever that is, um, we'll make it back in a day once the economy's reopened, probably in an hour, right? It's such a false, stupid economy that people are biting their nails about. And in Canada, the government, God knows, they're throwing around, you know, probably trillions, but we know hundreds of billions of dollars, right? And right. Uh, this is where they're going to pinch pennies? On the vaccine price, we'll get to that. But the other thing that BB did, which we do know, is he negotiated with Pfizer, you keep my supply coming, and I will give you not only a seamless rollout, right? So that's in terms of operational planning, logistics. Um, he had been, uh, you know, educating the public for months leading up to it to the point that everyone's like dying they're like when can i get it you know what i mean there's no resistance so like i mean that all takes work and people say oh israel's so small well yeah it's small it's also got an insanely diverse population we've probably got every extremist religious group in the world right everybody's fighting and you know so there's a lot of work that has gone on to get everyone on side on this and the part of the deal, I'm sure the killer, the, like the kicker, killer in a good way, is that uh, we are now the human laboratory for the world. Uh, we're providing all the data, all the data from the program. So I had my first shot. Before I get my second shot, I received an online, because the whole healthcare system here is digitized fully, which is wildly efficient. So I received an online questionnaire with a lot of questions. It took about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. 
okay. to, to answer them all very, very detailed. And Pfizer gets all this data. And the, you know, even though people like to think that, especially North America, they have this idea that all Jews are kind of, you know, white. Uh, they're not. It's one of the most racially diverse populations in the world. And not everybody in this country is Jewish. So they're getting um, a, a tremendous, uh, just a trove of data, Pfizer. Right. And that's right. our gift to the world for which we're getting trashed. So I, I can I ask this question uh, right now then, because there is a trope going around that uh, Palestinians are not being inoculated. Right. I want you to address that. Well, first of all, I guess you didn't read the article I sent you last night, right? Uh, that I wrote. <laughs> and I wrote oh, you'd burn. Oh, you just got burned there, Tony. Wow. Oh. I read it. I read it. I read it, actually, and that's yeah. why I'm asking the question. So you can oh, nice, uh, talk about it. Nice try. Nice try. You know what? <laughs> You're a great guy. I knew you hadn't read it. Um, I wrote about that. I wrote a, a long piece I urge you to read and all of your listeners and commentary. It's on Twitter. I posted it. Uh, because that's been building momentum, that outright lie. It started, you know, with AP, Associated Press. They ran an article because they're very dependable in this regard about a month ago. Uh, it was more or less kind of dormant and kicking around. And then bit by bit, it got picked up by Al Jazeera. Shocker. Uh, and then, you know, that, um, you know, that, that truth tablet, the guardian, and then it went all over the place, right? Everyone's picking it up. And as you Canadians know, Charlie Angus, the MP for Timmins, I think Kappas Gasing, uh, jumped all over it too. And was, uh, saying, Hey, you know, when he was sort of put some facts were pointed out to him, he was like, well, but like, I read the guardian eh? and the Washington post. Oh, well, I, I deal with that in my article. Um, and so he, from there, because he was now an instant human rights expert, um, declared Israel to be an apartheid state. So what you have, and it has actually been, the piece I wrote is, is called The Anatomy of a Libel, a Blood Libel, which is, we've just watched it in kind of slow, fast motion. Um, the allegations are outright lies, okay? But, you know, it's no secret that many countries, a lot of media, and many marquee NGOs like Amnesty International, which is leading this assault, um, are not really big fans of Israel and never miss an opportunity to castigate Israel as a warmonger, you know, um, human rights violator, genocidal, you know, all that stuff. Um, and here's the crux of it. You want me to get into this? Because it, it's two minutes, maybe three, but yeah, it's worth it. Sure. Go okay. for it. So... You know, the, here's what they're saying. You're killing it, but that's because you are completely depriving the Palestinian population in the West Bank and Gaza of their human rights. It is your duty as an occupier um, under the Fourth Geneva Convention to provide that population with all the vaccines you're giving to your own population. So number one, Fourth Convention, of uh, the Geneva Convention. There are a lot of people here who are very angry with me for conceding this, but Israel de facto, not in law, but in fact, treats the West Bank as being occupied. Okay? Mm. So West Bank's occupied, Geneva applies. Fast forward to the early 90s to mid-90s when the Oslo Accord is negotiated between the Palestinians and the Israelis director, directly with the Americans, you know, mediating slash intervening. And 
these are very, very extensive uh, accords. And among other things, there are specific provisions that say the Palestinian Authority takes full responsibility for all health care uh, in the territories for its population. Mm-hmm. And that is not like that is supposed to be something to be celebrated and encouraged that they should be engaging in the work of nation building rather than destroying. Um, And Amnesty knows full well, as does the UN Human Rights Commission, which issued some sort of, you know, bulletin today and World Health and all of them. um, They all know that Oslo supersedes Geneva, right? Okay. And the standard, which I set out in the piece, the standard isn't, you know, are they at the same standard of Israel, which is like blowing everyone else in the world, right? They're just killing it. That's not the standard. The standard is, are they doing a reasonable and acceptable job of providing health care at an appropriate level? Very, very specific language. And they are. In fact, PA is doing a better job than many European countries. PA is leaving Canada in the dust, I'll tell you that. So everything about this has been twisted. And Amnesty, which again is leading this attack, says um, it doesn't, uh, you know, Israel says, look, they're responsible. They do their own thing. And in fact, they're well along the way. Amnesty says, doesn't matter. You should go in there and give all your vaccines and you know, run a program. Can you imagine Israel sending people into the West Bank and forcing vaccines? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, aside from the fact that they say they're going to say we're poisoning everybody. So um, it's just untrue. And in fact, the PA did come a week or two ago and ask Israel for, I think it was 100 uh, Pfizer vaccines for their frontline health workers, and they were given them. It's humiliating that you have Amnesty International demeaning and publicly humiliating the PA, which actually is doing a really good job and has been for 25 years of managing the health care of their people. Are they speaking up at all, the Palestinian Authority? So that's what's interesting is, of course, they were silent, like until about a few days ago, actually, because they're like, what's going on here? <laughs> we got this going on. We're fine, right? Yeah. And Israel helps them. Um, and then I'm sure they were under extreme pressure from their NGO allies um, in the West to say something. And so they put out um, a kind of half-baked communication piece in the last couple of days, basically kind of regurgitating everything I've just told you. Again, what's really interesting, though, is that none of them, not a single one of these um, organizations, took bothered to refer to the ICRC, International Committee of the Red Cross, Mm. which has very highly regarded commentaries on all the Geneva Convention provisions um, and reinforces Israel's um, um, interpretation of what its obligations are and are not. It doesn't suit their political bias, right, to attack Israel. Right. So they right. left the ICRC out. Um, so, you know, and then there's the whole issue with Gaza, right, which Israel withdrew from unilaterally. Their main vocation there is to send rockets and other nasty things on, you know, tax really civilians. I mean, the PA is supposed to be supplying under Oslo. They're supposed to be taking care of Gaza's health needs. They won't even go in there with Hamas. Wow. Okay. So it's okay. Pretty, it's it's, co- it's like everything here. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It's messy, but 
it's really important to go back to first principles like Geneva and Oslo and remind people that this is absolutely untrue what you are hearing. I'm glad you, I'm glad you cleared that up. I'm glad you I think that is very did important. I? I do too. Sure you I, know did. I know it's a little long and technical and no. But <laughs> no, it's it's important. It's important. Jody, it do you want to you want to horn in here at all or uh... I'm still having trouble working through the fact that you didn't read the article she sent me. <laughs> what are you, Ed McMahon? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we got a live one here today. Do we do. Um, yeah, no, the only thing I was going to ask you, just because we're running out of time here, is I, I noticed that you are a prolific tweeter uh, with a very interesting... Are you really a tree hugger? It says on your Twitter account, totally. you're a tree hugger. Totally. Really? Oh, Interesting. yeah. Oh, you want to okay. kind of lighten it up now, right? After all that heavy legal stuff. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, I was just going to, you made some comments about, uh, you called out, uh, I don't know who the reporter is. You get, it was a press reporter or something or yeah. pool reporter, but about uh, Justin Trudeau with an apparent uh, account on Parlor. Oh, and of yeah, course, yeah. somebody's outed Michelle Rempel and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we all Michelle know. Who Garner. Yeah. So, what's, what's your, what, yeah, what's your view on everything that's going on with the, Supposed censorship of free speech in Parler versus Twitter versus everyone else. Yeah, so we're done with Israel. Okay, that's cool. Um, no, I'm so, not, I'm going to ask a final question sorry. about Bibi, no, but uh, that's fine. So, yeah, so yeah, because Bibi's basically killing the Sachs program because he wants to win the election. He wants to be reelected, exactly. Yeah, and that this kills this does it for him. So uh, look, I I actually um you know I'm really concerned about what's going on. Um, and you'll see, I was, I was talking to Jack today. He didn't talk back to me, but you know, Jack Dorsey, um, yeah, like, like this is about, this is about something much bigger than Trump. Um, and not everybody who was kicked off or caught in the dragnet as what I call, of what I call the great purge purge. Um, not everyone was a right wing fascist. They just weren't. Um, there's a lot of collateral damage, but the main issue that seems so far not to be the subject or the topic of serious discussion is that we have private companies and I'm all for the free market, but not private companies controlling what in effect are what we call the airwaves in the olden days. They control mm -hmm. the market square, the public mm -hmm. square, right? And uh, they're private and they're not accountable and they're not um, subject to any form of governance, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that's very, very dangerous. I'm sure Jack Dorsey's a great guy. I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg is too, although you hear he's kind of weird sometimes. But, um, you know, these these individuals are controlling the nature of global discourse. This isn't just about America. And and then you see all the witch hunt kind of parts of it, like, you know, this Ottawa journalist, um, you know, tweeting whatever on the weekend, I think it was, oh, my God, Michelle you know, Grandpa Garner's on Parlor, which I hadn't even heard of until like a week ago, right? And 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 ergo, she's like some kind of lunatic, you know, right wing extremist. I was very yeah. upset with our uh, mainstream media folks like uh, David yeah. Aiken. Doing that. I, well, he's I, the one I, who I, tweeted that. He tweeted. Yeah, that. I know. I know. I, that, I'm very surprised. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Um, I don't know him personally. I know him, you know, from Twitter. Um, and, and then I was, I just read Michelle's piece. She wrote a piece on this, uh, you know, the line, it's a Substack a publication run by Jen Garner, used with National Post. And it's mm -hmm. a very, very good piece. And I, everyone should read it. I posted it on Twitter. So everyone who's listening should follow me too. Um, and, you know, Michelle said, like, 
Justin Trudeau's on Parlor, right? I read that and I thought, David, really? I'm sure you knew that, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, Jody, just to kind of you know back, I, I think we are in a period of of dangerous and seismic uh, disruption. <laughs> And I'm very concerned because it's not, you know, it is about free speech. It's about who's doing the censoring. You know, I've got Khomeini in uh, Iran calling for the death and annihilation of all Jews in Israel every day. And that's cool with Jack, right? Exactly. It's, um, it's you know, where, if you've drawn the line with Trump, you know, uh, how about these other inconsistencies? Well, yeah. am, I, am I wrong in saying that someone remind? I could be wrong, but I, I seem to recall that wasn't ISIS on Twitter at one yeah. point? ISIS yeah. was, yes, they had a very strong. I mean, there is a lot of garbage on Twitter. That's a lot. I'm not praising Trump. I'm not carrying any water for him. But there is you want evil. There's a lot of it there. And it's a very you know, typically kind of parochial American approach, right? Um, I think it's been done very clumsily. And um, I think we're all going to suffer the consequences because I think they're going to be very serious. I think it's all it's doing. There's a great piece I was reading. Actually, I was listening to a New York Times podcast earlier today. Um, You know, the reporters and the FBI agents and all that who, who monitor these guys all it's done is driven them further underground into encrypted, uh, um, you know, apps. I would like. It's to not a good way to, to manage. Okay, yes, sir. Poor no, no. I, 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 I just want to make the point that there is also a progressive point of view mm. that is defending free speech as well. They're not very comfortable with uh, their fellow travelers. I, I'm thinking of yeah. uh, reporter Matt Taibbi as a good example. I, fo- I follow him, and I right. I have. I hold him in high esteem. He's very left of center. Uh, we yeah. he's a, he would be a Bernie Sanders supporter within the Democratic Party of the United States, and he is starting to really worry about uh, the the witch hunts that are going on, and led by progressives in the United States on this. So yeah. uh, there are people who are starting to absolutely. Pay attention. And Barry Weiss is in that uh, crew, and Gr- Glenn Greenwald, who yes. I actually surprisingly agree with Glenn on quite a lot of things, but um, he's really sort of carrying that flag now. But, you know, in Canada, where are our free speech warriors? I mean, my goodness, in Canada, I try to hold, you know, the government to account, and I'm, you know, called all sorts of horrible things. You can't even ask questions, because you ask the question, you're being divisive and racist and extreme right. Like, no, I'm not. But I don't see, I may, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see anyone, okay, maybe Rex Murphy and Conrad Block. <laughs> I don't yeah, see that, anyone. Jordan, Jordan uh, Peterson. Yes. Okay, but but the media? Not not in the I, media, no. No. It's no, just, definitely not in the media. Except for Holly Doan, Blacklocks. Everybody should subscribe. Yes, to yes. A, a past guest. Just a past guest. Ago. Yes. Amazing. Our only, our only hope in Canada for free speech is Brett Wilson, actually. <laughs> Yeah, he's out there. He's out there. I don't even know who that is. Who is that? He's from Dragon's Den. If you ever watched that show on on CBC, I know. Yeah, yeah. and he's got quite a following on quite a following on Twitter. So, all right, I'm going to look him up like right now. But CBC, by the way, I'd love you to ask them because they won't answer me. Um, I can't watch CBC here. They won't live stream here. Why is that? It doesn't really cost them money to allow me to pick it up here. Just curious. Hmm. Yeah, 
Okay, just putting it out there. Well, you're just putting what it out there. What else on your mind, Tone? What else on your mind? <laughs> I think we're out of time, unfortunately. We're, we're going to have to have you back because this has I been know. fantastic. Isn't it great, having, Jody? This is amazing. Yeah. I'm having too much fun, and you're just getting me all revved <laughs> up. And now you're going to like say goodbye. All right, I'm fine. Sorry. Like that. That's all right. Yeah. We've got a format. I don't know what else to say, but we should have you back. I'd love to do that because, we, you know, uh, maybe after the, uh, when are the Israeli elections again? Uh, March 23rd. So maybe after that, uh, if uh, BB does or doesn't get a crushing victory, I mean, that guy has, he's the, he's a politician with nine lives. So we, we've got to talk no. about that phenomenon. 109, and, uh, but anyhow, he's way, he's blown through the nine long ago. Yeah. Vivian can be found at Vivian Berkovich. That's B-E-R-C-O-V-I-C-I on the Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been great to have you on. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Jody, pleasure, pleasure to meet you. Always nice chatting with you, Tony. And yeah. uh, have a good day in lockdown. Another excellent guest. Lots of uh, interesting and informative information coming from her. Sounds like you guys obviously... Well, you have known each other quite a long time. Can I just say the only problem with Vivian uh, and uh, uh, people in Israel is that they don't say what they really think. Yeah, they're like wallflowers, right? (laughs) Shy. Yeah, exactly. Shy. You want to almost say, like, how do you really feel? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get that sense at all. (laughs) No, no, she's great. We should have her back because there's there's so much more. uh, You could go on so much more with her, for sure. We will do that. We'll do that for our listeners. And uh, uh, I want to thank our listeners again for being part of our journey. I know that's an overused phrase, but uh, we're enjoying having you along for the ride. And uh, thank you to Municipal Solutions and John Mutton once again. And and, uh, we tip our hat to Lord and Lady Coffee, too. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you check all those great places out and support them if you can. And I guess, Tony, we will do this again in seven days. Let's do it.